A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, the boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. It's Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth A. Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. We'll be discussing all the latest from the world of combat sports. Today, we'll be recapping one of the biggest nights in British boxing history as 94,000 people packed out Wembley Stadium to see Tyson Fury make light work of Dillian White, stopping the body snatcher in the sixth round. We'll analyze the fight in full and ask, was it a question of Fury being simply too good or White not turning up? Or was it a little bit of both? Speaking afterwards, Fury was adamant the fight would be his last. Do we believe him? As for Dillian White, he wants the Gypsy King to remain active because he wants a rematch. We'll look ahead to what could be next for both men following Saturday night. This weekend, all eyes will be on Madison Square Garden, New York, as Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano take to the ring for a historic fight. The world's two top pound-for-pound female fighters squaring off for the undisputed lightweight titles. We'll be looking ahead to the occasion with current world champion Chantel Cameron a little later. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. We were singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. goes Dillian White. That was an absolutely huge shot. He's trying to get back to his feet. He's on his knees, now on his feet. He wrestles his gloves off the canvas. Referee Mark Lyser was just about to wipe the gloves off, but Dillian White stumbles forward, and that is the key for the referee to call the fight over. I was using my jab, keeping it long, tying him up inside, um, and, you know, he was getting strong, he was coming on strong, but, you know, I can go at that pace for 12 rounds. Um, I've always been, I've been able to. And I wasn't looking to win on points here tonight. I was looking for a big, dirty knockout, like Tommy Fury would say. And it come in a beautiful uppercut, inspired by Lennox Lewis. Welcome to Fight Night Extra. I'm Gareth A. Davis. 
Mr. Nick Pete, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you, buddy. Excited. Massive fight last weekend. Massive fight this weekend. This is what we're in the business for, isn't it? Absolutely. We are in the thick of it right now. Well, let's get down to the Tyson Fury Dillian White fight on Saturday night. I think we'll just leave the undercard alone, apart from saying that we know that Tommy Fury won and Isaac Lowe lost. Um, Tommy Fury's still a long way to go, 7-0 and now, uh, or 8-0 and now. And uh, Isaac Lowe, where does he go from here? Will he win a world title? Will he even fight for one? Um, Nick, first of all, your top-line thoughts on the fight itself. Um, let me just interject there with the Nick Ball, the emergence of a star, what a performance against Isaac yeah, Lowe. He's brilliant. the kid that we should yeah. be looking at. He's the one that's potentially world world title uh, contention in his in his future. But the fight itself, listen, when the fight was made, Gareth, we all made the same noises. I think a lot of boxing fan made the same noises. Okay, it's not the fight we wanted, but I guess it's the fight we're going to get. It's Tyson's homecoming, but there's levels to this game. And Tyson can win this front foot, back foot. He can box him. He can punch him. He can do what he likes. But then what happens is we all get caught up in the promotion. We all get caught up in the saleability of the fight. And suddenly, by the time fight week rolls around, people are talking up the chances of Dillian White. And it's something. And quite often in boxing, especially on the night when all the smoke clears, when the pyrotechnics have finished and the music dies down. We all get the realization that, ah, of course that was going to happen. It's about levels. And Tyson Fury proved that he's levels above every heavyweight on the planet today. One of the weird things in the build-up all week, having been around, obviously we didn't see Dillian White until the Wednesday of the fight promotion, with it having been announced several months before, was the talk from Tyson Fury about retirement the whole time. And I think that played into the narrative of, had he already checked out a little bit, but he clearly hasn't. He's clearly in his prime. I think Dillian White's probably in his prime as well, although I don't know how much better he's actually going to get, although it's very difficult to measure him against the very complete heavyweight that Tyson Fury now is. And I think, you know, in great and brilliant sports people, in those periods when they're in their very, very purple patches, they can do no wrong. And I think... We're in that with Tyson Fury at the moment where he's happy as an individual, he's happy in life, he's happy with the support of the public, he's the people's champion, he's a mental health ad advocate, he knows the weight he needs to be, he had his father John in camp as well as Sugar Hill Stewart. He's just got everything honed to a well-oiled machine now. And he did the job on, on Saturday night. And I'll tell you, that stadium, working there with Talk Sport was an absolute privilege. That stadium on Saturday night could have rocked to Freddie Mercury coming in. It was that kind of atmosphere, a, a, a triumphant... It was an air of triumphalism, Nick. It was a, an air of, here's the homecoming for a celebrated hero who's crossed over. And Fury is now feeding off all of that. And I think that played out in the fight. And I think even by the end of the second round, I know we'll go into this in the next section, but even by the end of the second round, um, on commentary, I was saying, I just see Dillian White's frustration already that he yeah. cannot get anything against this huge, awkward, freakish sized heavyweight, six foot nine, 19 stone two, who just seems to be able to go in there, be relaxed, be himself. And, and we'll talk about it in the next section that probably belongs now in the top 10 heavyweights of all time.
Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It, it felt like a celebration of the Gypsy King. It didn't feel like, you know, it was ever going to be... It, it didn't even feel like it was a battle of Britain, who's the best, anything like that. No one was selling those narratives, and absolutely no one was buying them. You know, I did the post-fight show for TalkSport. Me and Majestic sat on the, the balcony at Box Park. I mean, watching the 94,000 flood past out of the stadium... And everybody was buzzing. Everybody was singing. Yeah. They were still chanting Tyson Fury's name. It was truly a celebration because you've got to remember, Tyson Fury's reinvented himself away from home. He's become a star in America. He became a world champion in America. He's become a huge ticket seller, pay-per-view star in America, a mental health advocate in America. He did all the chat shows over there. So there was question marks about whether... He could come back after so long away and sell out Wembley up until up until Saturday night. Only Anthony Joshua had really sold out Wembley. Could Tyson Fury come back? Could he? Could his career and could his personality do the 180 from where he was after he beat Klitschko when he became a villain? When the national newspapers turned on him and hung him out to dry? Has his career rehabilitated enough? The answer on Saturday night was categorically yes. He is now a national treasure. And that's for me, Gareth, why it's so crazy that there's even any talk of retirement because he sold the place out on his own and could do it again with a TBA later in the year. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to retirement, the big R word, in a bit. But I, I think, you know, having spent a lot of time around Tyson, when, when, he, was, when, when he did make ridiculously stupid comments at the age of 27, um, and it brings it spins to you know uh, that were you know sexist and homophobic and and they were wrong in, in anybody's book. He accepts that now, though. He, he does, also he accepts. He, um, listen, a man who has the same views in his thirties that he had in his twenties as hasn't lived a life. You live a life. He's come out of that gypsy traveler bubble that he lived in until he was in his twenties when he conquered the world, and now he's expanded his mind. He's matured as a man as an athlete and you've got to accept that you've got to accept his apology and let him move on yeah you you have but also at this i think at the same time I, i'm having spoken to him many times over that period between you know kind of 2015 and you know 2020 even he wasn't sure about coming home to fight again i mean he's on record as saying i don't think i'll ever fight in the uk again so i think you know, his mastery of the occasion and, and coming home and feeling the love. I think feeling the love is very important to Tyson yeah. Fury, you know. It keeps him balanced as much as being in the gym and all those things. Um, and, and I think people get his humour now. They get him when he's playing around. He does still go very left field with some of that stuff. So I think it's, you know, it's, again, every year when, which I think is outdated, the, the Sports Personality of the Year Awards comes up. It makes him, it does get the ire come out of him because, you know, I, th I think he, he was put in a position where he was trying, they tried to belittle him over his comments. But yeah. no, that, that's, that's seven years ago. Times have changed. And I think he's at the forefront now of being, as, as many of the, uh, the, the, the kind of aged pundits in our sport and the old promoters are saying there's no one outside the ring um we can make our own comparisons with with some of the great heavyweight boxers in the ring but there's no one outside the ring to match tyson fury's level of entertainment and the things he can do that, to muhammad ali it's as simple as that bob aram says so frank warren says so uh the doyen of the british boxing writers 60 years 50 years in the sport colin hart says the same 
you know, he, the first press conference for the white fight, he, I was had Colin Hart sitting next to me and he nudged me and he went, God, he reminds me of Ali. Not in the way he looks or the size, but the way he purports himself. We're going to get into that fight and what will be next for both men. And yes, will there be retirement? Hmm, is all I'm saying for that next. But <laughs> Nick, let's have a quick tee up of the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight, making history, of course. First women's headline in the 140-year history of Madison Square Garden, New York, uh, on Saturday night. I'm here in the Big Apple for the week. I speak to you now from there. Um, this is enormous, isn't it? It's enormous for Katie. It's enormous for Amanda, who've had long and decorated careers, both as amateurs uh, and professionals. But this is a moment in time for women's boxing. Yeah, 100%. You know, to, to compare it, really, it's it's the Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao fight. If it happened when it should have happened, not when it happened actually five or six years too late. You know, they're both probably coming towards the end of their careers now, but they're both absolutely two of the, the biggest stars in all of female boxing. Um, it's an incredible matchup. They've been brought together in, you know, let's face it, the mecca of world boxing, home of the fight of the century, Madison Square Garden, the big room as well, we have to state, you know, not the little room downstairs, but the big room, the main auditorium itself. Tickets have gone really well. It's pay-per-view in America also. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And it's one of those moments that women's boxing, it's the next, it's the next step on the trajectory of women's boxing, realizing its full potential. You know, the sport and, and the female side of the sport has literally, the, the blue touch paper was lit under it a couple of years ago, when probably when Katie turned pro, and the evolution of it and the acceptance, the global acceptance by the fans at least, has been meteoric. You know, they've quickly gone from, let's be honest, sideshow undercard fights to pay-per-view main event Madison Square Garden. It's fantastic. And whatever happens from here, I think female boxers long into the future will always look back at Taylor Serrano as a moment which broke down barriers and raised the ceiling on what women's boxing can do. Well, I'm just going to give you a potted history before we go to break. Women first started competing in boxing in the 1700s, um, called on the sport by their desire to display and show their qualities in the noble art. 1954 was the first televised broadcast of a women's uh, boxing match. In 96, when Mike Tyson knocked out Frank Bruno, uh, modern women's boxing was born. Christy Martin, a massive star over here against Deidre, Deidre Gogarty. 1998, Jane Couch uh, got uh, her boxing license from the Boxing Board of Control, the first woman to do so, winning a landmark case in court. And then Olympic terms, 1904, there was ex exhibitions of women's boxing in the Olympic Games, but not until, until 2012 that Nicola Adams, Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields won at flyweight, lightweight and middleweight. 2018, Callie Rice and Cecilia Brakus um, unifying uh, divisions and the first women's fight broadcast on the network HBO. 2022, we now have 50 licensed female boxers in the UK. And wow. this Saturday, Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano, the first ever women's headline fight at Madison Square Garden. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with DAZN. Stream boxing anytime, anywhere with DAZN.com. Still to come, we'll be discussing what next for Dillian White after his underwhelming performance on Saturday night 
And we'll be speaking with Chantel Cameron, head of Taylor versus Serrano this weekend. But up next, have we seen the last of the Gypsy King? You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with myself, Gareth A. Davis, and Nick Pete alongside me. Now, Nick, uh, when we look back on this fight, do we really believe that we are going to be seeing the last blow from Tyson Fury as the uppercut in the sixth round that he landed on Dillian White? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not at, not at 33 years of age. Not when you've just sold out Wembley Stadium, 94,000 fans, pretty much on your own. I know Tyson is a man of his word sometimes, but he also told us fight week that he was going to fight the entire fight as a Southpaw as well. I think he's finally got that love that you talked about in part one, Gareth. He realizes he's beloved by this nation now. Surely he can't ride off into the sunset. No way. Well, I caught up with uh, Tyson Fury in the ring afterwards with Jim White there as well alongside me talking retirement. I've been in this game 20 years, amateur and professional. I'm 34 in a few months. I said the Wilder 3 fight would be my last fight, but I believed I owed the fans one last showdown. And it, to do it here at Wembley was phenomenal, but I say this is definitely end for the Gypsy King. We, 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 going we, out, we, we went out with a bang. But Tyson, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. Look at look at the, the support tonight. It lived up to the more expectations than I ever thought was possible. The fans are beautiful. Um, every person in here tonight deserves all respect for bringing out tonight um, and making me a superstar in this country. And you wouldn't be nowhere without the fans. The fans are the best. We got the best fans in the world, bar and none. And I showed tonight that. This is the biggest stage in world boxing. Like, ain't no little guy can compete with the heavyweight champion of the world. I believe the little guy uh, from America sold 72,000 tickets in Yonker Stadium, AT&T Stadium. 94,000 broke all records in England and around the world. So it was, it was amazing. So a big thank you to everybody. But like I say, this is the end. We're going to talk it's about it now. Hold your breath this and count. We're going to Well... He's adamant, isn't he, there, Nick, that, that he will. But when, when you see the likes of Francis Ngannou, the UFC's heavyweight champion, step into the ring afterwards, uh, when you know, as you just said, that he's in the prime of his career, that he probably beats everyone anyway, in my view. He, 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 there's three fights for him, in my view. Um, Anthony Joshua... Alexander Usyk and Joe Joyce, and that rounds the generation, in my view. And he can genuinely walk away then with the, 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 the historical package where he has beaten every viable contender in his own era. Yeah, I think the the retirement is is a timing thing more than anything else. Let's bear in mind this is the second time he's retired as well. Um, mm. I think he I think he's right in what he says. He's the Ring Magazine champion, the lineal champion. He's held every belt in the sport, so why not ride off into the sunset? But I think right now there isn't a clear all, all those three opponents you named there, Gareth. Great, sign me up. I would buy a ticket to watch Tyson versus any of those three. However, all three have fights lined up. Joe Joyce has got to beat Joe Parker yet. And AJ has, you know, activated his rematch clause with Alexander Usyk. That's a fight that still doesn't have a date, never mind a destination. So mm. right here, right now, there is nobody left to fight. There is no clear opponent. So it makes sense for Tyson just to say, you know what, boys, that's me done. 
you know my number when there's a clear contender. And I think that's what it was. It wasn't a goodbye. It was an it was an au revoir. And it was a keep me posted when somebody calls out my name. Right now, nobody's calling out Tyson Fury's name. But I think in the future, 100%, I think he'll be back. It wouldn't surprise me to see him do a little bit of WWE in September. Yep. They love Correct. him over there. He's got, he's got all the... Um, all, all the kind of wherewithal to you know do tables, ladders, and chairs, have a bit of fun there, <laughs> knock out a few of the champions. I don't think I think it's too risky to take a now. now I don't think he's going to fight Francis and Garner with four ounce gloves. I could see them boxing in a cage with gloves, um, but I, I I think it upsets his legacy in boxing at the moment if we believe. He's going to fight some of those other guys if he steps into a ring with Nagano. It's purely and utterly one of those crossover money fights, as we saw indeed many years ago. And dare I say it, I helped to push it, and we all did at the time, between uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Yeah, and you know, there's two ways to look at it, really. You know, will it be another Mayweather McGregor? And we see what happened there. It basically it made Conor McGregor the kind of money that he was never the same again. And I think that would be the fear from the Francis Ngannou side of things. I think that would be the UFC's fear of losing their heavyweight champion to riches that they just don't, you know, have in their business in their business plan to to ever match. I think if it happened outside in a boxing ring, for one, Francis makes crazy money. Does he ever go back to to MMA, UFC, which is where he belongs? Yeah. And for two, is it competitive? I don't think it is. I don't think there's you know, a heavyweight in the top 10 that couldn't absolutely outbox uh, Francis Ngannou. And Tyson Fury is not a regular heavyweight. It's not even a it's not even a competitive matchup for me. Listen, you know, we all remember when Muhammad Ali, you know, that famously went to Japan and took on Antonio Inoki in that hybrid crossover match that he almost lost a leg over. That was kind of a setup, but it wasn't a setup. I could see something similar with Big Francis and Tyson, but it'd be more wrestling. It'd be more of a spectacle than a competitive match. Um, But yeah, listen, they're both free agents. That's probably the most important thing. Tyson's now a free agent. Francis is uh, currently out of contract with the UFC. So anything could happen. If enough money gets put on the table, Gareth, as we both know, you know, get ready for the unexpected. We live in crazy times and five fans at the moment seem to be a pre- uh, you know, taking on and, and enjoying and paying for the circus fights. Tyson is a free agent, but, my, but I do understand, and I have it on good authority, and I, I wrote about it this week, that, that Tyson's going to see Bob Arum in the next couple of weeks, and that there is still an agreement with him contractually for Tyson to have two more fights in America with Bob Arum, even though the ESPN uh, deal is up, obviously. Well, I went around the ring, if you like, uh, post-fight at Wembley Stadium. And I did the whole family, actually. I would spoke to the whole family. I spoke to Hugh, Huey's, Huey, his brother, Shane, his brother. Huey never speaks, but wanted to. And he was standing next to John Fury when I caught up with Big John himself and asked him, is Tyson too good to walk away from boxing? John, big smile on your face. I've worked hard for it. It's been a stressful time in that gym, because I knew Gareth. If anything would have went wrong, they said I caused it. When he's dabbed around with all the meters, we're always to blame on David A. Where is he? (laughs) I've never made a prediction all week because I wanted them all to be wrong. Don't underestimate the Gypsy King ever. The best in the world by a country mile. Nothing more to prove? No. 
No. Are you happy if he walks away now? Absolutely. But I know Tyson has got, he's too good to walk away. He's years left in him, and you've seen that. Is that not the best Tyson Fury you've seen? Yeah, he won it so easy and comfortably. You worked on the uppercut, I take it. We said, you'll get him with a sucker punch. Keep touching him up, keep going on the, on the sky's uppercut. And when you feel him going a bit, bang it in. First time you landed, first time he tried it, it worked. Lollop. I showed Joe Parker the same shot. Well I, well, I think, Nick, John has it more accurately than anyone else where he's saying, look, Tyson's too good to walk away right now. And he's absolutely spot on. And the old man is the one that normally knows what's going on in the camp. Yeah, 100%. You know, he's probably the closest to Tyson. You know, we've seen that previously when he's had poor performances. And, you know, John John made it clear that a change of trainer was needed and that's exactly what happened. So, and he's right. Of course he's right. You know, and I think deep down inside, Tyson knows he's right as well. You know, it took him so long to climb back to the top of the mountain. And this time, you know, he's not only got his whole nation behind him, but... He's a star over in America as well. You know, he's beloved on both sides of the Atlantic. If he was 37, 38, Gareth, I'd think, you know what? He's doing the right thing. He's undefeated. He's following in the footsteps of Rocky Marciano. He's riding off into the sunset. But right now, who would gamble on Tyson Fury losing to anybody? Never mind Usyk, AJ, Joyce. He wouldn't lose to any of them, the form he's in right now. So it would almost be criminal if he walked away. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's got two years left. Um... I don't think he will retire. I mean, we've got uh, a comment from Paris Fury, but I'll add something after we listen to here. I have seen him do enough. The world has seen him do. He's reached the pinnacle of the top. He is the world's greatest, and he's just proved it again. That man, Dillian White, has been in the ring and went all the rounds with most of the other champions. Tyson's just knocked him out in so many rounds. It's just unbelievable. And he's just proved, he's just proved the, the top quality that he is. And would you like to see him end now, though, because you worry about him so much? Yeah, I, I don't enjoy this one bit. You come, this bit's great, this celebratory bit. But all the lead-up and the actual fight is a horrible situation to be in. And obviously, a driver in Pomona now, he's got no more to prove. He's got nothing else to prove in this full world. So Paris saying there that he has nothing left to prove. But later on, you know, she left the door ajar when she said if he wants to come back to face the winner of Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk for the undisputed title, then she'd understand him boxing again. So really, there we have it, don't we? You know, he's likely to fight the undisputed for the undisputed title. And that might be late this year. It might be early next year but I do think that will happen Nick yeah I agree completely you know the, the opportunity especially with just one fight the opportunity to become truly undisputed as well as lineal champion as well as ring magazine champion I think it's too much of a temptation to walk away from um, and I, again I, I just think because Tyson knows he's the number one and he's appreciated number one and his ego won't allow him to say, okay, well, I'm, I'll just sit on the touchline now and wait for these guys to figure this out before I fight the winner. That's just not Tyson's style. I think saying that's me done, nothing left to prove and allowing the door to stay ajar for either AJ or Usyk to come through that fight, get on the microphone and call out the Gypsy King because that's what they've got to do. One of them's got to win that fight conclusively and say, right, Tyson Fury, let's find out who's the number one. And I tell you what, Sugar Hill Steward will get a phone call within seconds and Tyson yeah. Fury will be back in camp within a week. Yeah, absolutely agree.
Absolutely agree. Well, we're going to pick the bones over the fight and the fallouts, because there was some fallout from the fight in the next section. You're listening to Fight Night Extra, though, on TalkSport 2 with DAZONE. Stream boxing anywhere, anytime with DAZN.com. Still to come, we'll be joined by Chantel Cameron, ahead of Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano this weekend at Madison Square Garden in New York. But up next, we're talking Dillian White, what next for the body snatcher, and picking the bones over who controlled the space between them on Saturday night. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth A. Davis, and Nick Pete of the Fight Disciples alongside me. All right, Nick, I'm... On Saturday night, I think what we saw from Tyson Fury was such amazing boxing IQ, ring generalship, waiting to throw that uppercut. We know that Dillian White was knocked out um, in his two previous knockout defeats by Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin, two knockouts. Um, I know that they worked on that in the camp and he wasn't going to open up with that punch until he saw Dillian fatigued. I thought it was beautifully timed. He dominated throughout. I thought Dillian was frustrated by the end of round two. I think Tyson took over. He had a very powerful round in round five. And then I think in round six, he had the measure of Dillian and he knew he was going to unleash that uppercut. And it was very clever. It was part of the game plan. I mean, I heard that from the camp themselves. He's very special to have pulled that off against Dillian, isn't he? Incredibly special, you know, and that was the first real uppercut that he threw in the entire fight and it ended the fight. Um, and I think a lot of people, obviously, with the, with his previous history, knew that Dillian was susceptible to the uppercut. He does have slow feet. He does tend to plod forward in straight lines. But it just shows you how incredibly strong IQ that Tyson's got, that at no point did he get greedy. You know, I should say he had a great round five, but he didn't unleash it in round five. 
He waited and waited and he threw it. It was pretty much the last punch of round six as well. It was right at the end of the round where Dillian was just pouring forward. He just took a little step back and just threw that little uppercut. And it wasn't even a, a telegraph shot either. It was more of an arm punch than everything. It was so quick, but just caught Dillian on the top of the head was enough to scramble his senses. And he was kind of out on his feet, wasn't he? But that, again, it's just the measure of Tyson Fury. That's how good he is. That, he, that shot's in his locker, but he didn't deliver it. Didn't even throw it until he knew that was the precise moment to do it, and that was a fight ender. Um, the funny thing about Dillian, his post-fight comments when he eventually emerged, were that he thought it was a close fight. And also, he claimed this, that there was an illegal push from Tyson Fury. Here's what he said. In the uppercut landed, I was, I, was, I was buzzed. But obviously, you know, I was trying to regather my senses, and he proper full-on pushed me like that, and I fell over and hit my head on the canvas, which is... Which is legal. This ain't rustling. This is this is boxing. You know what I mean? But but you know, as usual, they let Fury do what he wants and get away with it. You know what I mean? I should have been I should have been allowed extra time to recover and then carry on fighting. You know what I mean? But and then he pushed me. Then he went and said, "Referee, ah, oh, don't let the fight carry on." What well, you know? And then it was like referee ain't doing his job. He said, "Okay, someone." Okay, I got caught. No, no doubt, but I got caught. Good shot. You know, so I went for the left uppercut. He went for the right uppercut. He's a bit taller than me. So obviously he landed his at range. I, I was hurt. Obviously I didn't go straight down. I was hurt. I was trying to re um, get my senses together. Then he, he full on two handed pushed me. It wasn't like one arm thing. He two handed pushed me, and I fell over and hit my head. You know, a referee. It was a terrible job from the referee there, but you know, it is what it is. Well, that was Dillian White talking to Sky Sports uh, the morning after the night before. Nick, he was gone, wasn't he? I mean, he wasn't. <laughs> pushed over ultimately yes it, when you look back on it there is an illegality technically to what he did but Dillian was gone wasn't he he was absolutely gone listen had Tyson Fury not give him a little nudge over and Tyson Fury stepped in and hit him with another shot um I think Dillian White would still be would still be asleep now you know I think Tyson <laughs> Fury did him a favor by pushing him over I think that excuse from Dillian is is kind of it's it's a bit disappointing coming out of it, if I'm totally honest with you. And it's a shame that not one of his team kind of pulled him to one side and said, you know what, this is this is almost David Hay when he lost to Klitschko, blaming his little toe for the reason why he lost the fight. It's clutching at stores in a fight where, for me, you know, I didn't. The first round was was very was very timid and close, but for me, Dillian didn't win any of the rounds at all in this fight. And Tyson Fury did exactly what he wanted to do pretty much from start to finish. So it does feel a little bit like sour grapes. And I think any talk of a rematch is pretty absurd at this point. It, you know, they're, they're all the lions uh, in the jungle fighting for supremacy. They are the rivals. It's always been hard for Dillian to, to give credits to uh, his rivals, even though I think there was a lot of mutual respect, both leading up to the fight and uh, after the fight between both men face to face. Um, what next for Dillian, in your view? Where does he go from here? Um, I, I think Dillian's absolutely got options. You know, I'd certainly still raise my hand up and say, listen, where's Deontay Wilder? Or if he's going to come back, that's a fight that should have happened anyway. You may be even be able to convince Maurizio Suleiman to, if not for the full WBC belt, I'd like to see Tyson, even though he's announced his retirement, hold on to that belt for at least six months while we figure out what's happening with AJ and Usyk because... The last thing we want is that undisputed champ to fall through the grid. But absolutely, it, should, it could be for the WBC interim belt to find out who the top contender is. So I'd, I'd sign up for that. And if, if, if Wilder isn't make, you know, making any serious noises about coming back, 
than the Joe Joyce, Joe Parker fight that was announced on the night. Dillian should be saying, right, get me ringside and I'll face the winner. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I got a feeling that Dillian will, will battle on and battle on. It might take him absolutely. a little bit of time to, to recover from that. I mean, you said it at the top of the show. It was, it's been on my mind since the fight. It's about levels, all sports about levels and, and boxing is particularly about levels. And I think, um, we, 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 we narrowed the gap between the two men. When, you, when you're around it day in, day out in fight week, and it's a very big fight week, you, you listen to the arguments, you talk to other people, you talk to influential people in the sport, and you start to, you don't doubt yourself, but you think, nah, you know, am I, I always thought Tyson Fury would either win on points or stop Dillian in the later rounds. I, I, like you say, Dillian really didn't get into the fight. I gave Tyson every round. And, you know, he, he just dismantled him, didn't he? With his skills, his awkwardness, his height, reach, and, and made Dillian look one-paced and one-dimensional. I think I can see Dillian doing a bit of a Derek Chisora and fighting everyone that comes up because you saw that you see the resilience in him now. Even though, like you say, it's sour grapes, it's part of the resilience in this incredible survival story of Dillian White in, in, in his life, you know, growing up in abject poverty in Jamaica and you know, being shot and stabbed in his teenage years, coming to the UK as an, as a young teenager to live with his mother who'd come over here to make money for them to send home, but coming and joining her here and coming a father at 13 and a grandfather at, at 34. And that resilience in him, I just think he doesn't know anything else. And I think he does care about his loved ones and his children and his grandchildren. And I think he'll just carry on being a workhorse and taking prize fights whenever he can, wherever and whenever he can get them. I always yeah. thought he'd be a world champion, but he won't do it on Tyson Fury's watch. In, in no, he won't. No, and and luckily for Dillian, Tyson, you know, he's not. He's never going to have to fight Tyson Fury again, regardless of what he's saying. And if Tyson were to get that unification fight at the end of the year, let's say Usyk and AJ probably hopefully happens this year, we get the big unification at the end of the year or early in 2023. I think that's when Tyson walks away. That's when Tyson goes to pursue WWE dreams, at least for a couple of years. And that's when the belts get fragmented. And then you've got eight potential challenges for four potential belts vacated. And that's when Dillian's opportunity might arise. I still think yeah. it's not the end for him. I know he's 35, but for everything you've just described then, Gareth, no one can talk and persuade me into not thinking that Dillian White is not a success story. He is absolutely, absolutely. a success, success story. Yeah, yeah. To come from yeah. where he came from, to now be a multi-millionaire, that was his seventh pay-per-view fight. This guy is a superstar, an incredible role model for any kids who are caught up in, in, in knife crime or gang that gangland lifestyle. This guy has shown you that the route out is hard work and perseverance and believing in yourself. And he's 100% a success story. Had he won on Saturday, we'd be talking about writing a movie about oh, his yeah. life. And it's not oh, over been, yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it would have been legacy-defining for him. Of course. And like you say, it would have changed his life beyond comprehension. And, of course, you know what he would have done. He'd have taken a rematch with Tyson Fury. Because he'd have earned $25 million himself because it would have been an enormous fight, especially if it had been controversial. It wasn't, of course, it was one-sided. It was a beatdown. It was a dismantling. And Tyson Fury continues to dwarf the heavyweight division in this era. Finally, as you mentioned, Joe Joyce and Joseph Barker are going to go at it this summer. Victory for Joe Joyce. He's ranked number uh, one with the WBO at the moment, number two with the WBC. Victory for Joe Joyce over uh, Joseph Parker, who's, of course, like a, a blood brother now with Tyson Fury. Apparently, their hackers haven't even improved 
uh, from that terrible one they did all those years ago when he fought <laughs> uh, Tyson's cousin Huey. Um, Joseph Parker gets beaten by Joe Joyce. He's really in the frame for a Tyson Fury fight, in my view, and it's a good fight. I think Fury wins that again, but Joyce is so durable, and he's one of those guys that I think again, might look a little bit ponderous against Fury, but I think it's still a good fight, and I think it's one that may well happen. Yeah, I think, you know, Joy Joyce has got to beat Joseph Parker, and he's got to beat him in sensational fashion as well, as you say. Parker Fury's never, ever going to happen. They're, they're too close. Uh, but if Joyce can can knock out Joe Parker, you know, that would be an incredible statement. And this mm. is a guy who's only had 13 pro fights, but he is 36 years of age, Joe Joyce, so he can't afford to stick around. He needs to fast-track his career, and he's done that. You know, when he went into the Daniel Dubois fight, so many people in boxing, you know, underrated him and said Dubois was going to win. I wasn't one of those people. I knew what Joe Joyce was all about. And I know, I know he'd also, he'd, you know, he'd answered so many questions in the amateurs that he had the potential to go all the way. So I think that's the most important thing for him. He's got to stop Joseph Parker, make a statement and I rock that microphone, call out the Gypsy King, say, listen, I'm yeah. standing right here. No man's ever beaten me. Let's see if you can do it. You're supposed to be the best of this era. My chin has never let me down. Let's see how big a punch you are. That's the narrative somebody's got to create, Gareth. You've got to tease Tyson Fury back to the ring. You can't just win. You've got to drag him back to get these super fights happening. Because as we discussed, he's never retired for good. But it's up to Joe Joyce now to make a statement and get him back to Wembley. Absolutely. The juggernaut needs to rip the Gypsy King Uh the juggernaut needs to rip the Gypsy King into action against him and have a reason for wanting to fight him. Correct. Great stuff, Nick. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're switching focus to a huge fight night in New York this weekend as the two best female boxers in the world, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, meet at Madison Square Garden, New York. We'll be joined by Chantel Cameron next. This is for the moment. When you were given nothing, but fought for everything. Taking the hard knocks and proving yourself again and again. Because when the sport didn't change for you, you went and changed the sport. Amanda Serrano's the GOAT. Katie Taylor is an absolute legend of the sport box. This is for one of the biggest fights of all time. For the first women to headline Madison Square Garden. For greatness. For undisputed. For history. Well, joining us today to discuss that fight is the brilliant, vivacious Chantel Cameron. First of all, Chantel, welcome to Fight Night Extra. Thanks for having me. Now I can see you and you look uh, primed and ready to hit a training session. Yeah, I just finished my boxing session, so I'm just waiting to go to do my weight session with Kerry Kays now. With the good old Kerry Kays putting you through your paces. He doesn't half drive you hard, I imagine. Yeah, he gets a great man as well. Now, first of all, before we talk about Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, your fight against Victoria Bustos has been announced May the 21st at the O2 Arena. Great to be getting back into action. 
Oh, I literally cannot wait. It's been a, been a fair while now since it feels like I was last in the ring. So last time I was out was October, the end of October. So I just can't wait to get back in there and hopefully keep some momentum this time and keep busy. Tell me, um, obviously you're preparing for your own bout, incredibly important to you in your career. What do you make of the, you were there at the, the launch of the uh, Taylor Serrano press conference in the city in London a few months back. What do you make of how this fight's been received and how it's being platformed? Incredible, it's massive. And the, both ladies deserve it as well. What they've done for women's boxing, they deserve every moment of the um, limelight that they're getting because this first time headlining the MSG, two, two legends putting it all on the line. And uh, I think it's just incredible for women's boxing, the pay they're getting as well, what they deserve. And it's about time. Hopefully now this will break down the barriers for the rest of us women to start getting some mega fights like this. As you say, first time in the 140-year history of sport at Madison Square Garden here in the heart of Manhattan, where I am this week, of course, covering the fight for Talk Sport and The Telegraph. One of the things as well, which is... Um, shifting new ground if you like is the fact this is pay-per-view and that's significant as well isn't it yeah it's absolutely massive and i think uh it's caught the eye of so many people even non-boxing fans and i think they're both just they're going to put on such a cracking performance as well it's a 50 50 and i think they're both going to be going out because they know that what what's on the line they both want that status of being pound for pound best it's funny, you know, because I spoke to Jane Couch for an interview this week. Obviously, Jane being the first licensed female professional in the UK. And let's not forget, she had to take the British Boxing Board of Control to court to get that license in 1998. Incredibly at the time, Chantel, and you'll appreciate this, the Boxing Board of Control saying that women were not psychologically and physically stable enough to be professional fighters. It's incredible that there were those thoughts just 24 years ago. How times have changed. <laughs> I think the last barrier now, Chantel, of course, with such a high-profile fight, as you say, this weekend, pay-per-view, Madison Square Garden, the big room as well, you know, the home of the fight of the century. It really doesn't get any bigger than this for, for women's boxing. The next step for me, this is the, another step forward. I think the next step after this is for champions like yourself and like Katie and like Amanda would be that jump to three minute rounds as well. I think that's imminent. I think that must come to create total parity with the male side of the sport. And then I think conversations that go on at the moment about, you know, females not being up for three minute rounds or the endurance is not the same or the knockout resistance. We'll laugh at those comments, just like we've laughed at those comments Gareth gave just a few seconds ago in a few years time as an excuse I think that's that's the next big leap for, for female boxing. But you yourself, you know, when you were an amateur fighting for GB, these types of events, you know, yourself, a, a unified champion, unified women's championship fights at Madison Square Garden. If I'd have said that to you even when you were boxing for, for GB, you'd have probably have to say, it won't happen in my lifetime. But it just shows you how quickly the female side of the sport has evolved. Definitely, and the two-minute rounds, me and my coach, Jamie Moore, we said that I wanted to do my title defence and I want to be the first to do a three-minute round. So I wanted to do 10 frees, but it weren't accepted. So I was a bit um, gutted about that because I thought, 
if I'm going to do a title defence, why not do it for three minute rounds and break that barrier? Because then if I did it, then maybe more women will do it as well. Someone's got to do it to yeah. make others do it as well. Someone's got to be the first. But um, yeah, they they declined it. So that was a bit um, bit frustrating because it would have been good to get the, the three minute rounds in. So I think it would suit me more so as well. But yeah, Becca being GB, I wouldn't have even thought I'd be turning professional, let alone five years in and being a world champion. But definitely didn't didn't plan on going professional because there's nothing for me back then. It was the likes of Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields and Nicola Adams that they signed over pro and it allowed the best of us to follow. Yeah. Just just to clarify, was it Bustos or was it the border control that turned down the three minute rounds? Was it the oh, opponent? Sure. Um I'm not too sure. I don't know who uh, declined it but Jamie put it forward that I wanted to do three minute rounds and we didn't hear nothing back, so I don't think it was my opponent that declined. I don't think it was the board, I'm not too sure, but it was declined. Like, we heard nothing back about doing three-minute rounds. Do you do you think that there's an argument for two-minute rounds as well, given that there's often a lot more action when it's two-minute rounds, or, or should we just be seeing three-minute rounds because it gives the opportunity for the more powerful fighters to, to get knockouts and stoppages because it does seem to preclude that with the two minute rounds that a lot of girls are able to survive to the end of two minutes. If they're in, you know, if they're in trouble, that extra minute gives you that opportunity to stop the fight. Yeah. Like I think with two minute rounds, it does make female fights more, the tempo is higher. You're going at it because you have a minute less. So you don't have time to like set up, like be like a bit calmer and a bit more patient because you know, you've only got two minutes. So you kind of have to get in there and get stuck in. Um, but I think three minute rounds will be more entertaining for the fans because you will see, see more stoppages. You've got more time to break your opponent down and they've got less time to recover. And in my opinion, I think if women want to have equal pay as men, then we've got to do three minute rounds because doing two minute rounds, like you kind of see the argument was why should we be paid the same as the men if we are doing less? So I'd rather do three minute rounds and get the same get better pay than what we're getting now let's just go to this fight this weekend obviously between katie taylor and amanda serrano for the undisputed lightweight title obviously multiple weight world champion uh in uh, puerto rican uh based out of new york uh, serrano and katie taylor two-weight world champion undefeated you boxed katie taylor as an amateur what is it about her Chantel, that makes her pretty special I think it's her speed. She's just so fast and she throws her punches in flurries and she's got very good feet. So I think it's her speed and just how she throws her punches in flurries and she hits you and you think, where's that come from? And she's gone again. And Nick, I'm going to get your, I'm going to get everybody's pick on the fight now. Nick, how are you seeing Taylor Serrano on Saturday night? Um, I think it'll be a great fight. I think it will deliver, absolutely. Um, moments like this generally do in the sport of boxing. You've got two girls here at the peak of their powers. Um, very good practitioners, incredible world champions already. I just think timing is everything. I think a couple of years ago, this is Katie Taylor's fight. But you know, as Chantel pointed out then, her whole game is based around speed. She's 35 years of age now. I don't think she's quite as fast as she was before. Unfortunately, I'm going to go for an away upset. I think she's going to, Katie could suffer a first loss in New York. And I actually am going to really upset Irish listeners now by saying, 
I think win, lose, or draw, Katie Taylor retires on Saturday night. But unfortunately, I think it's Amanda Serrano that has the has her arm raised being the local girl. Very interesting stuff, Nick. What about you, Chantel? So I'm going to go with a Serrano, Serrano win. I just think um, exactly like I said there, I think Katie doesn't seem to be the same Katie she was a couple of years ago. I think the Delphine fight took a lot out of her, both the fights. I think after them fights, she kind of slowed down a little bit, taking too many punches and just didn't seem the the same really. So I'm going to go for Savannah. I just think she's got a little edge over Katie. Well, I agree with uh, some of the points both of you are making there. I, I agree with that. I thought uh, Katie lost in that first fight to Delphine Pursoon by a round. Yeah. That's how I scored it at the time. On the night, of course at Madison Square Garden, where uh, Anthony Joshua suffered that defeat against Andy Ruiz. Um, I agree. I think Katie Taylor isn't the same. She's not the same raging bell that she was. She's become a lot more gun-shy, uh, a much more tactical fighter. And I think, like you say, I think there's a lot of miles on the clock now. And you think about that very long amateur career as well with that same style. I am actually going to pick Taylor to win this. Uh, and it'll be on a split points decision and it'll oh, be controversial. controversial. <laughs> because, uh, I think it will be. And I think it'll be, I think they will just battle from the opening bell for the entire 20 minutes. And it'll be very hard to score the fight. I know what both of you are saying. Serrano looked fantastic in her last outing. And I think in the mid range and in the pocket, she does really stand and her timing is extraordinary. Although she's hittable as well. But mm -hmm. I just think that, it might be another one of those Delphine Pursoon nights where, um, in a way, Taylor is the home fighter, if you like, with it being on DAZN and Eddie Hearn being the promoter, um, that she might get the decision. Final thing, we've all given a lot of stick to the Paul brothers being involved in boxing, coming from their YouTube sensational careers. I think Jake's doing a good thing here for women's boxing, isn't he, Chantel? I think Jake's doing an amazing thing. I think uh, how he's backed Serrano and what he's done for Serrano, I think you can just give him a massive round of applause because he's seen her talent, he's seen how hard she worked and he's pushed her and really put her out there and really put her career on the map again because I think how good Serrano, Serrano is, a seven-weight world champion, she's never really had the platform like Katie Taylor. And I think... Uh, yeah, I think he's really done wonders for her career now and she deserves it as well. Like she's a legend in her own right and what she's done is absolutely incredible. And to be fair, she's one of my favourite boxers. Chantel, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck and have thank a great you. camp for your fight on May the 21st at the O2 Arena, of course, against mm -hmm. Victoria Bustos. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. No worries. Thank you very much. That was a look ahead to the weekend's action in partnership with DAZN. Stream boxing anytime, anywhere on DAZN.com. And this has been Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. A big thanks to Nick Pete for joining me today. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.